Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Before we get started on this week's show, I want to remind everybody about NSN's Jewish Unity Initiative that's taking Nachum Siegel and company to Paris, France next week. Nachum will present two amazing episodes of JM and the AM from Paris on Wednesday and Thursday, and a Jewish Unity concert builds Let There Be Light on Wednesday evening from the Great Synagogue of Paris. The concert will stream live on the NSN app and on NachumSiegel.com at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So spread the word and tune in. You know, one of the great things about hosting this show is just getting to talk to a lot of great people, um, including some friends. Um, and when I first started the show and I knew that it was going to be starting, I made a list of kind of all the people that I wanted to just have on here and share their stories with you guys. And um, the list was pretty long, um, and we got through um, a whole bunch of people last year, and I was thinking recently, who haven't we spoken to? And then I remembered there's this fabulous woman who I sort of knew of. I saw her videos from around, starting many years back. She'll t- I guess she'll tell us when she got started making these videos. Um, and then in 2012, uh, we got to meet each other personally, filming our first Orthodox Jewish All-Stars video. I knew that she was, you know, kind of the the queen of kosher cooking, also known as uh, the kosher Rachel Ray. Um, you may know who she is now um, because she is, uh, you know, really unique in the the kosher cooking world. But um, when we were filming our first uh, All Stars video, we were looking sort of for you know people who had made uh, certain levels of success in in the larger world. Um, you know, obviously Jewish success is very special too, but we were kind of looking for universal marks of success. And what I didn't realize about this cute woman making these adorable and, you know, useful kosher cooking videos was that uh, she was the real deal. She wasn't, you know, just like me um, getting in front of a camera and trying her best. She had been in this world. She had been in at CNN, HBO, um, in some real, you know, media jobs, and then made a, a switch to uh, the Jewish media world, which she'll tell us about today. If you haven't guessed by now, her name is Jamie Geller. Um, unfortunately, right after we met her, I guess fortunately, Unfortunately, after we met and really connected and our kids bonded, she went and moved to Israel. But, um, you know, our loss is Israel's gain. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you, Allison, so much. It's such an honor to be here. And, like, I just, I'm glowing. That that introduction was amazing. Thank you so, so much. Oh, sure. I always, you know, uh, make it a little (laughs) personal. um, So, um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know of your of your background or your you know the story that happened before because joy of kosher is so big and you know so much of the Jewish world knows about it now. I think you know, and I consider myself pretty in the know in terms of these things. And it was such an interesting backstory of kind of what happened before all that got started. So, if you could just start off by telling our listeners what was your Jewish background like growing up? Kind of where did you start off? You know, before you became the the queen of kosher. Sure. Thank you uh, for that title. I love it. Um, so basically, I grew up in a suburb of Philadelphia with a really great sense of Jewish identity and a strong Jewish background. Now, we weren't observant Jews, but I went to Salman Schechter Day School and Akiba Hebrew Academy, and those are schools where a real like Zionist background, a real love for Israel. We learned the language. I went, you know, grew up going to synagogue a few times a year, and even on Shabbos, but we would drive, but we were very active members in the Jewish community. Did you, um, at any point, you know, I, I like to make, like, all-star connections. Like I did last week, the Maccabees put out a, a cooking video, so I tweeted to uh, <laughs> Jamie. Um, now that the Maccabees are doing cooking videos, is Jamie going to do a music video next? So I, I like to, because I, I think it's so exciting about um, 
all of our all-stars were now, um, I guess, what, two, three, four, four years into it. Um, it's just such an exceptional class of people. And um, not just the talents and the hard work, but the commitment to their heritage is really what we like to showcase, that you can do big things and have big dreams. So what I'm curious, because I, I also have a Philly connection. All my family is from Philly, um, and I was born there. But I'm wondering, did you and Saul Blinkoff ever um, bump into each other back in the day? Yes. Really? Yes, so, yes. And when I saw him as part of your All-Star when I was like so excited. We went to the same high um we went to the same high school and the same camp. So Camp Ramon the Poconos and um also Akiba and yeah, I so Saul is our Disney uh, animator and uh, yeah. director all-star. Um, okay, that's adorable. So I and guess we reconnected. Can I tell you? We reconnected when I was at a conference for HBO out in LA and his wife came up to me after I always knew he was really interested in his dream, even growing up, was to work for Disney. And he was so gifted. And like, you know, we lost touch. It was years later, and his wife comes up to me in the bathroom at this conference for HBO. And she's like, I'm Saul Blinkoff's wife, and he works for Disney. And I was like, so amazing to see that he accomplished his dream. It was so clear to him, because my dream was never, you know, to do cooking or anything like that. So, you know, it's just wonderful how it all came together for him. And to see him as part of the class of all stars is super cool. So we share many, um, you know, uh, uh, high, you know, high school camp and now the all stars. That's so cute. Yeah, I love that. Um, that's. I feel like that's one of those things. Like you know, this senator went to school with this president. Like you know, and you look at their photos. So we have some totally. of that going on in our <laughs> all stars. Um, so fine. So you said that his dream was always clear. I remember. Yes, Saul very much had that dream, and he was drawing. So, what did you dream of being a producer, of being a writer? Did you? How did that all get started? Well, it is funny. So, yes, I did have a dream in this direction. Um, my dream was to be like the next Oprah or the next um, Diane Sawyer. So I wanted to be involved in journalism and I wanted to be interviewing really important people and decision makers and world, le world leaders. Mm -hmm. So I got, I went to NYU with that in mind. Um, you know, they have a good journalism school, of course. Yeah. And Syracuse is known for a good journalism school. Northwestern, and I went to all of those places. But I decided on NYU for early admission simply because the opportunities afforded to you in the big city, uh, you know, in this space, I think, in the internships were unmatched. So mm -hmm. even though in theory you could have graduated from a more prestigious program, knowing what I knew, it's all about contacts and connections and networking and internships that we, I would have the opportunity, not just in the summer, but during the semester to make those contacts and to have those meaningful internships, then that's why I decided on NYU. So that absolutely was the dream. And I landed my first internship after my freshman year at CNN. And that's how it all began. See, it's so interesting because, you know, both of you had these big dreams. Like a lot of people have big dreams. I think most of the world has big dreams and very few people achieve it. So that's what's really so exciting. So what does it take to get an internship at CNN? I'm saying, are they looking at grades? Are they looking at personality? Like for the person that has that dream, can you walk us through a little bit like what, besides getting to the right school and kind of, and you obviously had that savvy to even know where to place yourself. Is it the grades and sort of the interpersonal skills they're looking for or is something else? Look, I think all of those things are important, and without the interpersonal skills and without the grades and without a little bit of savvy and without a little bit of, or a lot bit of confidence, it's hard to get your foot in the door. But really, first and foremost, especially in this particular industry, it's about who you know. Mm -hmm. So I literally remembered that like four years earlier, um, outside the bathroom at Rosh Hashanah Services in Philadelphia, I met my mother's best friend's ex-boyfriend who was on his second marriage to a woman whose daughter from her first marriage 
worked at CNN and I met her outside the bathroom at Rosh Hashanah Services like four years earlier. And I said to her then, I'm going to call you when I get to New York. And I did. <laughs> so that's really, so it's that sort of, it's looking for opportunities and then following through yeah. um, when, when you got it. I mean, that's really, um, I mean, it was clearly a close connection, you know, the daughters, bathrooms, <laughs> uh, dog walkers, hairdresser. Um, totally. Like, like really- twins separated at birth. Uh, yeah, totally. But no, but that's really not just, you know, sort of because probably all of us pass by someone at some point, but to remember and then to do the follow through is really, and it's really a mixture, I think, of the divine providence of the Hashkacha practice and then just sort of that drive of I will do it no matter what. So that that's very helpful for anyone wondering how you make the magic happen. You you have to really uh, pound the pavement. So fine. So you got your internship. And so where I believe, if I remember your story, it was at CNN where you had a conflict about Shabbos at a certain point. So was that internship, did that lead into your, your job in the media, or did you have some other twists and turns in terms of your professional life before observance came? So no, that was exactly it. That internship led into my job. So like I told you, I wanted to be you know interviewing world leaders and decision makers, and I ended up at a show called Showbiz Today, which is now called Showbiz Tonight. But it's CNN's version of entertainment, you know, tonight or Access Hollywood. And we covered entertainment internationally for CNN across across the globe. So it's where I landed because that's where, you know, this girl, Lori, that I met outside the bathroom a few years ago uh, happened to work. So that's where I got my first internship. And that's where I landed in the entertainment side of journalism. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not what I expected, but of course I fell in love with it. So already like 18 years old, you know, freshman in college, and I'm going to the Oscars and the Emmys and the MTV Music Awards and the VH1 Fashion Awards. And I made the very strategic decision. And this is a very strategic decision. And I often see a lot of people making the mistake and well it's a mistake and not a mistake a lot of people jump around from internship to internship and I think because they're trying to find what area and what specific aspect or angle of the career that they're interested in you know they want to pursue so if it's unclear to you and you're not sure if you want to be on the PR side of things or the marketing side of things or the journalist side of things or the content creation side of things then it's important to get the different experiences but I knew what I wanted and I stayed there instead of going then one year to CNN, then one semester to MSNBC, and then one semester to NBC, and one semester to MTV, I stayed there. And because I stayed there, I forged really important relationships, and I continued interning for them for the next two and a half years, Hmm. to the point where they offered me a job before I even graduated, and I graduated a year early so that I could accept that job and, Hmm. you know, continue working for them. And cool. I did so much as an intern. I actually, they, I functioned since I'd been there so long as a writer-producer, even as an intern. So it was a wonderful experience. And it shows you that, like, building your roots somewhere, you know, can really, really help to further your career and jumpstart that aspect of your career. So I feel like, yeah, Al Federbush, who is our all-star from 2014, who is a Today Show producer, I believe she also has this very long career um, in NBC and seems like she uh, followed a similar path of wisdom there. So now tell us how the Jewish stuff started. When, How did this camper ma, Salman Schechter, who drives to shul on uh, Shabbat, become Jamie Geller? <laughs> uh, that's such a good question. Um, gosh, um, I guess my sister, for some reason, ended up uh, going to Israel for the year and becoming inspired and, you know, being a like, you know, and becoming religious and adopting a religious lifestyle. And she became very concerned for me, like, you know, this Jewish girl hanging out at like all of these parties and media events and award shows and like, 
you know, I, she wanted me to make sure that, like, I met a Jewish guy, and my mother, too, like, so happy for me to have a career, but, like, I should definitely marry a Jewish guy, otherwise, what would all of this education been for? Exactly. So, um, so I, they started, both of them, working on me and sending me to, like, sort of, like, young, professional, single Manhattan, you know, weekly Parshat Shavuot classes. So, Rebetzin, Esther Young Rice, who should have a Rafael now, she should, um, you know, uh, she, we're all praying for her right now. She runs Hineni, and that was a great organization for young professionals. The Jewish Enrichment Center, the local Asia Torah. And she started going to these places and became very turned on to Judaism and going to people's homes for Shabbos and experiencing Shabbos for the first time. And that was sort of the beginning of uh, turning toward a more religious lifestyle. And how old were you at the time? I'm 20, like mm-hmm. 1920. So it was all while I was at CNN. And since we do stereotypes around here at Jew in the City, being raised kind of, you know, uh, nearby uh, observant, but not quite observant, were you raised with kind of some negative ideas or thoughts about what the Orthodox community did or what they thought of you as not being fully observant? Were those any things that you remember growing up with? Oh, for sure. I mean, I definitely thought that the women were oppressed and didn't have all of the rights. You know, I grew up in a very egalitarian society. It was everything a man can do, a woman can do. So that was like definitely had a, you know, a negative connotation in terms of the religious world. Um, also, I grew up speaking like a very, and learning a very proper Hebrew. And so like we always said Shabbat. So like I couldn't imagine like hearing the Shabbos, like I had a friend who used to say Shabbos because she came from a different kind of background. And I thought like, but so like shtetly and so like I don't know like my grandparents so not modern and so I definitely felt that there was a connotation of both the oppression of women and a lack of the religion feeling like it's modern and appealed to me and applied to me. Hmm. I hear that. I think those are a lot of, a couple of very common misconceptions. So fine. So you begin your journey there. And so at what point? Um, I remember what you told me is that you're at CNN and you're starting to keep Shabbos and the sun is setting earlier and earlier and you know at a certain point that you're just going to have to jump ship, right? Is that is it some something around early 20s that that kind of uh, problem happened or was a little bit further on? Or No, you got it exactly right. You have a great memory. So basically I go to a gateway Shabbaton <laughs> through one of these organizations um, that I was uh, at the JAC. They took us all to a Shabbaton for gateways, and I experienced my first Shabbos, like keeping Shabbos, and I thought, I want to do this. This is the life I I want. You know, this is the kind that I want to marry. The kind of man who wants to have this kind of life. I want to have Shabbos in my life. And basically, I make this decision in December when Shabbos starts at like four. So the live show that I work for is live every day at four thirty. So that is the most important part of the day. I mean, you cannot miss the live show. I mean, that's what we work for all day long. So I have to make the tough decision for myself that I could no longer keep this job. I didn't even approach them about how could we work this out because it was simply, you know, I consulted a few rabbis. I was on the 20th floor and I was like, could I walk down the floor and not take the elevator? But there were so many other things going on that would have been, you know, would not have allowed me to keep Shabbos that, you know, the elevator was the least of them. So I made the difficult decision to go in and have to quit this job that I had worked so hard for because I decided to keep Shabbos. So let me, so let me ask you, you, had this amazing job you you know were young going to these great parties you had the life that probably most kids dream of um you know besides just doing the fun stuff you were you know living out your passion why and you were thankfully able to do both you did do both for a while you chose to go in a little bit of a different direction but why were you willing to risk or lose 
your life's dream for Jewish observance, what was it offering to you that was worth that trade-off? It's so interesting. Look, it's always for each person so personal, and it's a number of things. I think first and foremost, when you're faced with truth, you cannot turn your back from it. And I remember going to classes or going to a Shabbos and literally crying. And the teacher or the rabbi or the, the lecturer, whoever I was listening to, wasn't talking about anything sad. It's just literally my soul physically yearned for this. And like there were tears in my eyes. And I remember crying and crying because I felt so conflicted. I felt that I was living this life that was like, you know, in terms of my professional career, that just wasn't a match for like literally what my soul was yearning for. And I, I, there was obviously some level of emptiness. I never could say, oh, I felt empty as much as when my soul began to start to be filled by these experiences. It literally had like a visceral, physical reaction to it. So I think there was that. And I think, you know, I came from a family. My parents were actually divorced from each other twice. If you can believe that. So they were married, divorced, then they married each other again. Then they had my sister and I. Then now they're divorced again. And they got separated many times. My father was always moving out of the house, moving back in, moving out, moving back in. And I looked around at all the people that I was working with, these incredibly accomplished, you know, VPs of programming or reporters or anchor women and anchor men and producers. And many of them were well into their 30s and 40s either having never been married or on their second and third marriages, the life itself of like TV and especially live television, it's 24 seven. And there's no time for a life outside of that life. And whoever has tried to have that kind of life without some job is to anchor it always ends up, you know, unsuccessful. So I looked around, I thought about what I wanted my 10 year plan for me at a personal level and looked around at the personal lives of the people around me. And I saw like, if you can't have somebody that you look up to that is living the dream, both personally and professionally, maybe I'm not in the right space with the right people, you know, around me as examples. So it was kind of a combination of all of those things. Mm, I love that. It's sort of uh, kind of refocusing what our values are and what where happiness actually comes from. So you were willing to give it all up. You told CNN, sorry, Shabbos is coming. I got to get out of here. And then you went to Israel. Yeah. So basically when I left, my boss was very nice. Um, he actually, was actually Jewish on his second marriage to a Buddhist convert. And uh, he said, you know, good luck, Jamie, ever finding a job in the TV industry with this new Shomer, you know, Sabbath thing of yours. <laughs> so we parted with, on very nice terms. And so I go to Israel. I joined my sister in Israel. She was at Nevei Lime at the time, you know. So I go there, you know, with the idea, I'll go for a few weeks and I'll, you know, see what happens. And while I'm there, so it's like maybe a week or two after that conversation, the show, Showbiz Today, was canceled. And 25 people lost their jobs, including my boss, the senior VP of programming, who had been there for 25 years, including that woman, Lori, who had got me the original internship. So, like, all of that happened without any of them becoming Shomer It's Like, the whole show just imploded. And then, a week later, I'm actually walking up the hill in the Bay in Harnoff, if anyone's familiar. You know, it's a very... Um, you know, it's like a big hill, that particular town or city. I'm walking up the hill. I can remember exactly where I was. And I get a message on my cell phone in New York. Um, and it's a woman that I'd met. She worked for HBO. I'd met her at a premiere a few weeks ago before I had left my job. And we made a really nice connection. And she said, you know, I have a job. Um, I'd love to hire you. Can you be on the set of The Sopranos on Tuesday? And I'm like, in Jerusalem, you know, and this is Thursday in Jerusalem. So I call her back and I said, I'll be there. Wow. 
Yeah. So you flew back. So you were in Nevada only for a few weeks at that point. Literally two, three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, HBO came calling, and you come back. And and so how long were you at um, at HBO after uh, you left Israel? So the first and foremost is I knew HBO was not live television. Mm-hmm. So I knew this was an opportunity for my chance that I could continue on my professional career without the conflict of Shabbos because, you know, there's no live show as long as I get my work done, as long as I work. I could take freelance jobs. I could take a limited engagement. You know, as long as there's a deadline, that makes a deadline. It's, it, you know, they don't care if you work on Shabbos or if you work at 2 in the morning on Thursday night. I saw this as an opportunity worth coming back for. And knowing that I was coming back to New York, I knew that there's so many wonderful opportunities for learning and growth there. So I thought this was a great you know, opportunity for balance. And I ended up at being at HBO. Like I ended up starting freelance, then coming on full time. They made special accommodations for me, like always kosher food on set wherever I was. They flew me to LA and into London and you know sometimes the flights back were scheduled the flight the return flights were scheduled to be on Shabbos and you know we extended it so that I wouldn't have to fly on Shabbos and um, I guess got promoted and promoted and stayed there for a number of years through my marriage through my first baby so it was a great it was a great place for me for a while and you were on all the hit shows and were you able to do you think you you broke down some stereotypes um, to the other? Because I'm sure it was filled with Jews. Um, did they? Do you think you, they saw Orthodox Jews or Orthodox women differently after knowing who you were, or did you kind of keep it a little bit more like under the radar, or was it not possible to? It was completely not possible to. And I think not only did I break down stereotypes, but like I really impressed people. I never said that I wasn't going to shake somebody's hand, you know, because I was, you know, Sherman again. I was being careful about that. The people who knew me that I was close to at work knew that I didn't do that. But like I would never in a in a at that point in my life in a public situation I never made a made a scene about it. And literally like senior VPs would be like blocking like major actors like don't shake her hand, don't shake her hand, she's religious. And boom, that would just start like an incredible conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think people loved it and respected and learned so much and broke, you know, break down barriers, Kiddush Hashem, whatever, you know, we could hope for. I think that there were wonderful opportunities there um, that I had to, you know, represent us and our religion in a really beautiful way. Amazing. So after a number of years, though, content-wise, it wasn't where you wanted to be. And then you moved into the joy of kosher. So can you take us through a little <laughs> bit about kind of when you started thinking now you didn't know how to cook um but you did do some work at the food network am i right yeah it's yeah you're, allison you're totally awesome yeah so yeah i did have a job at the food network as a producer i was hired to work on a show about summer seafood literally mm-hmm. like crabs and clams and lobster wow. like all that stuff ironically um but i didn't know how to cook even at that time i was just there because i was a great producer so really you can parlay the skills you know, into any subject matter. I did really well there. And, um, but basically, like you said, the HBO, it's like the subject matter of the shows that I was working on as I became pregnant and as I had a child, I started to become like uber sensitive to them. It's one thing when you're becoming religious and you kind of grew up that way, you can kind of create a Chinese wall. But like, you know, once you become a mother, it's a whole different story. So, um, and I didn't have a TV at home. It was like the whole thing was just crazy, you know, how it all ended up working out. So, um, so I decided to leave, and even though they offered me, you know, a promotion to executive producer if I would return after maternity leave, and they offered me a four-day work week. And these are like Irish bosses who, like, you know, hadn't ever heard of Shabbos before, and now they're like offering four-day work weeks, anything so that I knew it wasn't a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. So um, during maternity leave, I'd been married for about a year. 
and I, you know, came into marriage and kosher cooking without knowing like a spatula from a saucepan, literally never cook. And over the course of the year, it got pretty good, you know, doing yeah. easy, quick, uh, you know, foolproof, failproof recipes. And so my husband said, you know, like, why don't you write a kosher book? I thought, oh, such a cute little kosher idea. Like, I'll stay home with my baby. I'll write this book about, you know, becoming a new mom and becoming kosher with easy, simple recipes. And, you know, that was the beginning of the beginning. <laughs> So cookbook came first, and then I, I feel like I saw some videos like kind of earlier on, right? I'm saying before things got bigger in terms of Joy of Kosher. Like kind of what were the different – because now you're on so many different platforms. So what, what came after the cookbook? Like kind of can you give us a timeline of what the different like major points of the, you know, of your, uh, you know, kosher media conglomerate are? As you're beyond impressive, Allison. Everything you're saying is exactly right. I actually did the videos first. Okay. Before my first cookbook came out, uh, because I have this love of producing and television, like that's my first love, I thought about doing some videos. There were no kosher cooking videos on the internet at the time. And I thought to create some, you know, in anticipation of my first book. So the videos came out about eight and a half years ago. The cookbook followed six months later. Um, after that followed, you know, an online blog. Uh, which turned into a full-fledged website, you know, where not only the first the blog was just featuring me and my recipes and a way for me to connect with people between books, you know, on a daily basis. Um, and then it became joyofkosher.com, which is a community website with over 7,000 free kosher recipes now and mm -hmm. videos and new content updated daily and all of the restaurateurs and chefs and cookbook authors and food bloggers. Everyone writes for us both online and now we have a bi-monthly magazine that comes out. We do, we have over 2 million video views on YouTube and we have, you know, tons of videos and this year we're going to aggressively be putting out at least one new video per week. So everything is just one from one book to two books to three books to the magazine to the website to social media to, you know, much more um, robust video offering and that's where we are today. The interesting thing is that we were both getting on YouTube videos around the same time. I guess, no, I guess I started... I a little bit predated you, Jamie. Um, I think ah, my first video. You're trendsetter. You go, girl. But it was around 10 years ago, but I did not write any best-selling books, and now that's like on my list. I'm, I'm working on a couple books right now, but they are neither written nor best-selling, so you, you beat me on that one. But I well, guess they will be best-selling, Allison, because I know you, and I know that they will be when the time is right, and you're totally incredible that you started this a decade ago. Oh, thank you. No, so we, um, because I, you know, you were dreaming about your like, you know, media stuff. I was dreaming about I should like have my own show one day, which you know, um, <laughs> when when NBC doesn't call you, just get on YouTube and make it yourself. So, but, yeah, I guess we were unique in that space as women, as Orthodox women, making these videos. Um, and uh, it's exciting how I mean, it's just so exciting to see your growth and you're speaking all over the world and and now you're you're getting booked on the Today Show and all over the place. Whenever there's a holiday, um, you're there making a kosher recipe. Are there any other you know any upcoming projects that I mean, obviously Israel was a big change for you and you did Joy of Israel, which was those videos of you making Aliyah. Um, I, I, you know, my husband and I are watching him on the couch. I'm like crying. I'm like, we have to go. So you probably inspired a whole lot of Aliyah with those. But big, big Kiddush Hashem. So, um, Thank you. Well, well, we wish you a lot of Hatzlach. And I really enjoyed, just for me personally, um, 
I guess because we're so busy, like I got some of the points of your story, but it was just really <laughs> so much fun to sit down and be like, okay, wait, I never clarified what happened after CNN and before HBO. And um, really, it's uh, where the Jewish world is really so fortunate to have you as, you know, someone leading the way and certainly not an oppressed Orthodox Jewish woman, but someone with a voice and a platform. And I hope and I know that you're, you know, uh, your your career and you know the the big things that you do um, must be an inspiration for for many women out there. So um, thank you so much for joining us today and and sharing this story. And I wish you and your family a very happy Hanukkah. First of all, Amen, 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 Allison. And I cannot say enough about you. I find you to be an incredible inspiration. And I feel like what we're doing, and you know, as a company and a brand, and personally, is small potatoes compared to what you're doing in terms of the Kiddush Hashem and being out there on behalf of like Orthodox people and Jewish people. And I really feel like the strength, confidence, and knowledge that you have, and the way that you deliver it, really is forging a path for all of us. And I just love now knowing the fact that like you were there a decade ago first on YouTube, creating this space for us, you know, in, in the digital world and beyond. It's just so cool, and it's such a perfect, you know, little tidbit to know because I would expect nothing less of you. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. And thank you for okay, listening bye. to uh, Jew in the City Speaks. We'll be here same time, same place next week. Stay on for more great programming on the Nachum Siegel Network.